You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. I'm Josie, and today we have a funny little treat because uh, this is the first time... Yes, I'm trying to think. Yes, the first time we have a guest who is not only a peer in the deconstruction podcasting space, whatever that means, but that also knew me at APU. <laughs> Ooh, Josie at APU. Yeah, I mean, I we, obviously we had Spencer, but you know, it doesn't count when there's your co-host because you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But we have Daniel here today from the Angsty Christian Podcast. What up, Daniel? What's up, all my angry folks who may or may not be Christian? I don't, I don't know. It's yeah, been a while since I've podcasted, honestly. It's been really. A few yeah, we've we've been on a bit of a hiatus. We've all been busy. Oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, yeah. But I mean, you're still a professional, technically. I guess. I don't. Know I mean, once you've recorded ten <laughs> podcast episodes, I feel like you're a professional. You know. Okay, that's fair. That's the that's the limit that we're going for. Ten. Yeah, like okay. it doesn't. It's not okay. that hard to be a professional. I mean, if you really want to be it. like top tier that's a different story but nah. yeah yeah like i i'm not gonna sit here with a soundboard and all that other stuff that's that's too much work you know i know i hear a friend of the pod adrian did on dirty rotten church kids and i'm like ugh, you just have oh, yeah. to show off adrian <laughs> oh no when recording with that with him it's just like you know he has all this equipment set up i'm like okay tell me that you used to be abused by the church by running their sound booth exactly. without telling me you were I was not asked to do sound at church, um, and I didn't volunteer either. So I was one of the worship leaders, and then I was the youth pastor. So that's not know. sound, though. I know, but anyway. no, I'm just saying. Like, I it's like, oh yeah, it's cool. It, you mean it, you get you have more? Um, well, actually, uh, do worship leaders get involved in sound? Like, do you guys know how to like do the things? Uh, well, at one of the mega churches that I was at, we had our own little like miniature board but it was only for our in-ears oh so it only controlled what we heard that is so um, fancy <laughs> yeah it was honestly it was kind of nice because yeah. i could be like i don't give a shit about any of these other instruments i just want to hear the lead vocalist and i want to hear a guitar mm-hmm. and like the little one two three four little thing in your ears telling yeah. you when we're going to things but it was also very overwhelming because it's like yeah, that sounds kind of chaotic. Yeah. I love it. Before you tell us your life story, um, I'm going to put you on the spot, and I want you to tell the folks what I was like in college. <laughs> <laughs> so, Josie and I, I think, only knew each other the last, like, year yeah, of I think college. So. Um, but I knew, your, I knew Spencer, and I knew your other roommates, because we were all in the same major, right? Yeah. Um, I'll... I'll just open up with my first experience of Josie, okay? Oh my god! So at APU, I would say that I, just like in you know real in the real world, there are like two extremes. Um, at APU, there was no shortage of like the extreme conservative and like the extreme liberal, progressive, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I like started probably more on the conservative side, and over the years, like 
got hella progressive josie was like a whole new level so (laughs) i i had a roommate who um now he's actually quite progressive you know he's he's actually you know he's uh atoned for his uh sins uh, (laughs) if you if you will but um he was a fellow ministry major as Mm -hmm. i was um and he was a military boy um he at the time was very conservative and also very logical mm-hmm. so like if i'm just like dude i just don't feel like that is something that's good because you know it doesn't show love to people blah 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 it's like yeah but like you know here's all of the reasons like logical fiscal reasons why you know this person should be whatever and so he started for whatever reason hanging out with um josie and her friends well because my roommates i mean oh that's right that's right yeah this guy was so i mean we were friends god bless him but um (laughs) yeah he was just like fucking around with both of my roommates feelings at like different times vastly different times but i was really annoyed about him (sighs) yeah yeah that's how i met him it's fine my roommate was in the military with him so yeah he was in the heart he was in a hardcore hoe phase um now he's not i mean relatable but stuff, you know yeah. yeah so he i um, was like hey i'm going over to um i i won't name the roommates just because i don't want to you know expose yeah. anyone but i'm going over to so-and-so's apartment do you want to come with me we're going to have some drinks or whatever which was illegal at apu so yeah you know, oh we yeah my apartment there was always alcohol Woo! Yeah. And uh, my roommate and I lived with an RA, so we couldn't drink in our apartment. There were many times where we came home drunk and our roommate didn't know, though, which is also illegal at APU. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I got nothing else going on tonight. What am I going to do? Sit here and play Skyrim? No, I'll, I'll go drink. That sounds fun. So we go over and I, I, I can't even... I don't, I I could not even tell you what the conversation was because it wasn't important. (laughs) All I remember was my roommate would say one thing and Josie would sit here and tell him why he was wrong. Um, (laughs) And it scared the living shit out of me. I was like, who is this girl? Why? She knows so much and I am so incredibly intimidated and she's putting my roommate in his place and I'm loving it. Um, I will also say that your RA roommate would come over sometimes and I would just say, don't look at my fridge, don't snoop mind your business and then at one point i had a dog (laughs) on campus i had a dog that i was taking care of in my apartment he came over and i was like if you tell on me we're gonna have an issue and he did not tell on me (laughs) oh yeah no he was scared he was honestly he was pretty easy to uh yeah he wouldn't he was a pretty chill guy and i think he only came over because he was in the same like ministry small group as as your roommates i think um yeah and so i think there was only a couple of times in which <laughs> Josie and I had hung out and at the time scared the living shit out of me. Um, and so then on my Facebook, I would go on and on one, I'd see this one guy post up these really conservative things. And then I'd see Josie posts the opposite. And oftentimes they would interact. And oh, yeah. I was like, oh, and I honestly, like, although Josie scared me, a lot of insecurities of myself came out. And so I was like, oh, I don't like her because she just knows more than me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I would see her post all these things. And I was like, 
I want to be like that one day. And now I am. So, you know, I guess it's full circle. Yeah, I love it. That is so, that's funny. People bring up Overheard at APU all the time, that Facebook group. And how I would always be the one fighting with the most conservative guy on there. And I was like, oh, yeah. We were in handbell choir together. We were friends. <laughs> That's why yeah, I was yeah. so bold. I was like, shut up. <laughs> it's like, dude, shut up, man. You're so annoying. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I uh, actually didn't know that story. I totally blocked that out of my memory. That is hilarious. Oh, I yeah, love it. Yeah, good times. And, uh, very validating. I love when men are scared of me. It's... Uh, <laughs> See, it was comments like those that also scared me because I was still like trying to undo my internalized like misogyny and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, hey, you did not help us with any of that. It's so funny. Not at all. Not at all. I had to do a lot of my own internal work. But here we are. Here we are, you know. On the other side. Yeah. Speaking of yeah. unlearning, tell us about your journey of unlearning. What is your life like? Your testimony. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we're going to APU time of uh, life stories um, where everyone can says how much cooler they are than everyone. Um, no, okay. Before no, you begin, I, I hated it because it was always like, oh, Joe, like I was always with these kids who were like very privileged for whatever reason, because there's definitely mm -hmm. a gamut at APU, but I always oh, yeah. ended up with the most privileged kids and they're like, oh yeah, I smoked weed in high school. I'm so sad. And then I would tell my life story and they'd be like, oh yeah. my God, what is, I was yeah. like, I, this is why I don't do this. Anyways. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation of telling your life stories within Christian circles, especially Christian God. universities. Um, <clears throat> so ironically, I would say um, APU uh, both helped and hurt my <laughs> my spiritual journey in many ways. Because <laughs> prior, I like, you know, when we talk about this phrase deconstruction or whatever, if you want to call it that, um, people often think like it's a one time thing right and it's more of a lifelong process people also think it's a new thing and it's really not um i mean our friend uh, the, na the naked pastor david hayward you know he was using the word and writing about it back in the 80s um people have been talking about it for a long time at apu we even in one of my classes talked about um a uh, psychological theory uh, by james fowler um, which was um, utilizing uh, eric erickson's stages of development and adapting those to faith and one of those stages of development that he mentions happens naturally once individuals enter their 20s enter their early adulthood life and everything that he's ascribing is what we would call modern day deconstruction it's a rejection of the beliefs of your uh, family of the institution um and trying to figure out what it is you believe and who you are like that's a pretty natural thing that happens in college so when it comes to like my own faith journey i really stopped going to church in high school because I already started seeing a lot of the hypocrisy of the church back then. Mm -hmm. um, and it all started when I would, th actually, I think it might've been middle school. Um, I was going to a small Lutheran church, um, but after talking with the pastor in recent years, um, it was a lot more evangelical and conservative than I think I even thought it was in the past, which is funny because Lutherans were supposed to be, from what I was told, one of the more like, progressive not traditional but like progressive yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
denominations, right? More affirming stuff like that, except mine was not. It like depends, which is so annoying. Yeah, yeah. And so ours was very Missouri Synod, evangelical. So it's like like the most, it's, it's almost Catholicism, but to a very conservative degree. And one of the elders was embezzling some of the tithing money. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, apparently, apparently. This is things that I was hearing from my mom when she stopped going. And I guess it was like he was using money to build a fence at his own house instead of on a new building project when we didn't have the people to need a new building, but they wanted a building project anyways. And so it was like a whole thing. So my mom stopped going and I just remember hearing that like, I don't like this. So I stopped going. How then, lame. You want a fence. Like you can't yeah, no, buy it's a like, car or something. Yeah, like you can't do something. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, so... APU ended up like I didn't know that there were Christian universities. I didn't really know where I wanted to go to college. And I kind of happened to go there by like my choir conductors, like a whole story of my choir conductor. She was getting her master's degree there. She was like, oh, you know, go and um, join the, uh, you know, men's chorale. And some girls in my choir went and they're like, oh my God, the men were hot. I was like, oh, they're talking about them. So I want other girls to think that I'm hot. Uh, and, and also, man. The ratio was in your favor. Oh, the ratio shows so in our favor and i did not utilize it um but you know i was like oh but also singing a group of men and so very much of the you know manly thing um which you know now I look back oh just because i was a little gay that's okay um so i ended up going to going to this thing ended up having like this huge god experience or whatever you want to call it um and ended up going to apu and was studying art right and so apu became a very foundational and form informative space for like a reconstruction of sorts i started to learn the actual history of like I didn't know Moses was real um, or potentially I didn't know Abraham was potentially real. I didn't, actually don't even think I had ever heard Abraham's name um, besides the song Father Abraham <laughs> um, until uh, like the Exodus and Deuteronomy classes that we were all required to take. Um, and then in another class, it was the life and teachings of Jesus. So actually learning about a historical Jesus and actually having to um, deconstruct who Jesus was, um, w whether or not he was a historical person while also wrestling uh, through a book that my professor put up as um, uh, debates in our class where one of uh, one group would read Marcus Borg, who was like a former atheist, now Christian, and then N.T. Wright, who's like Christians are so wet about. Um, and we had to kind of discuss Jesus's divinity, whether or not he it mattered, stuff like that. Right. So it was like there's a lot of different moments in what that was very foundational helped. I feel like give me tools um, because eventually when I did switch and decided to um, pursue my calling as a youth pastor, <laughs> um, <laughs> short lived. Um, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I felt that once I, like when I was a youth pastor, I felt, um, equipped to actually handle those hard conversations. Um, and it also get, like helped me become, go from being more accepting, you know, I grew up accepting to affirming or go from, um, uh, like understanding my own biases in terms of racism, misogyny, um, you name it, like whatever was in there. And it also like, and I wouldn't say the biblical studies department did this as much, or at least like the ministry department did this as much as more the school, the institution just instilled a lot of that white supremacist and evangelical culture. And 
so you know like being in the ministry department there was like this really weird dichotomy between this institution that my professors always talked against and then them telling us like you should be free to experience what you need to experience and help your kids or your congregations do the same um and after I graduated, it was when I ended up going to this big evangelical mega church that was against everything that my professors uh, said to go to, you know, said, you know, when you look for a church, you probably shouldn't do this. Um, oh, and in between that time, I did work at a church briefly and got fired because they're stupid. And that's a whole other conversation, which did affect my faith. But this church was worse. Um, so I ended up at this church for, you know, a number of years. Um, after college and was practically, uh, you know, the, the same thing that many people who listen to this podcast or the Dirty Rotten Church Kids or even our podcast experience of like, you know, you interned so much that you should have been paid for it because, or not intern, you volunteered so much that you should have been getting some mm -hmm. sort of uh, money from it because it's practically a part-time job. I was on multiple worship teams. I was on student ministries. I was the young adults ministry doing like pastoral counseling, um, managing and running our table groups, um, singing worship there, and also running the fastest growing small group at that church. Like there's a lot of different things that I was doing where almost every single day had church with it. Um, but simultaneously, I started working at a home for former foster youth, um, living there. Um, so it was both my home and my job where I would bring in these ideas that I learned from school or even things that I'm learning at church and then having these guys look at me and say, you're a fucking idiot. That's not how life actually works. Um, so being confronted uh, with and, and actually having to come to grips with what I actually believe. Um, fast forward, I ended up uh, getting a job as a youth pastor at a small little church in Orange County. Um, and for the year and a half that I was there, this was like, I started a, the six months prior or a year before the pandemic started. The pandemic started um, almost exactly <laughs> at my one year mark um, and on my birthday um, or essentially. Um, and I was essentially put there as the youth pastor to, ch to save the church um, as the youth outreach coordinator was my position. So I worked under another youth pastor and like they, they let me do things. They let me have some of the conversations that I wanted to. And I always had to have more conversations with the youth pastor to try to talk our kids to doing more things and to, and to like just go a step further. And then the whole pandemic hit and everything that we know happened in 2020 happened. And prior to that, I started mentioning like months before we even had the pandemic, I really think we need to start figuring out how to do this online. Because I think there is an opportunity for us to reach people online versus, you know, in person. Like, no, that's stupid. We would never do that. We don't have the resources for that. We're a small little church. Well, in March, they had to figure that out. Um, <laughs> and, and figuring, like, I, I was already ahead of that, knowing that some, like, the church was changing. Something was going to happen to, to cause a shift in the church. And I was constantly trying to push us into this new place instead of continuing to do what the church has been doing for so many years. So the pandemic starts hitting. 
every single day, the conversation during our staff meetings was, are we going to meet or are we not going to meet? Are we going to obey the government or are we going to disobey the government? If we do meet, is it going to be masks on or masks off indoors or outdoors? And every single time I would look at them and say, we are a small church with many individuals here who are at, whose health is at risk due to either um, some sort of physical disability or because they're old. If we were to meet, regardless of masks or masks on, indoors or outdoors, we are putting people at risk. So for me, it's a no-brainer. We need to just meet like online. We need to re-envision, like I don't even feel comfortable coming in. Like I work with these guys who aren't respecting uh, the the mandates by the government and not all of them are. So like I'm constantly having to be quarantined. So like we need to figure something out. Um, and remember when i talked about doing online stuff well now we fucking have to um and it, so it was always a debate and then i think before the pandemic happened there was like we had two women who came to our church who didn't look potentially related could it have been an adoption situation or friends 100 percent. but immediately the pastor said what if they're gay and i was like we don't know if they're gay well what if they are What's the question that you're asking? And it was a three hour discussion that went over into lunch with the head pastor and the youth pastor about if someone was same sex attracted and or acting on it, God forbid, would we allow them to to volunteer at the church? And for me at that point, I was like, this is literally a non-question. If someone has the abilities and the desire, we should just let them do what they want to do. I'm not even going to talk about whether or not it's a sin, um, but the youth pastor was very conservative. The uh, lead pastor, um, I guess he was moderate, I guess you could say. And then, you know, we had the whole everything with George Floyd happened. And when um, when Black Lives Matter started getting their resurgence um, and, you know, the whole world was watching um, what we were going to be doing in America, our church did just like every other church did nothing. And I kept talking to the pastors like we need to really figure out what is going to make Jesus look beautiful in this situation. What's going to make us be a place for people to actually want to be a part of? Because right now, cool, we do food, we do a soup kitchen, and we and we feed people experiencing homelessness. That's all we do. If we were to disappear, that's the only thing we would be missed for. What else are we going to be missed for? Okay, maybe the people in the church might miss it, but the the community, they're not going to give a shit. And then with with all these other issues that are happening, there's such a big opportunity. We could be making masks for people. We could be out at protests. We could be actually providing anti-racist education. We could be doing so much more. But instead, the senior pastor, the Sunday after George Floyd uh, was murdered, he goes up and talks about his experience as a white man growing up in a black neighborhood. And the whole time I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I, was, I was I was shook. Yeah. And this is also the day after I took a bunch of our young adults to a rally in Fullerton, because that's the one I was going to anyways, or a protest, where we were all forced to deal with our whiteness. We were all forced to deal with the shit that we have and that are it's helping to perpetuate or perpetuate this culture that allows for black individuals to be killed. And so and the pastor's talking about, oh, I went to the rally in, in Fountain Valley. I was like, dude, how many, like, okay, you're bringing all this onto yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not, 
there are people that if we wanted to and if they were willing would probably love to speak up about this situation um, that are actually black or we can at least listen to them or we could like there's so there's such a wide array of things that we could be doing instead of you talking about yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I had just finished reading, um, prophetic lament by Sung Chung Ra and then prophetic imagination by Walter Brueggemann, which both were like really, um, instrumental to my, uh, early, not even early, but like my deconstruction at that time of, um, especially Sung Chung Ra talking a lot about, um, racism and talking a lot about, um, uh, how like we could respond as a community with doing like communal laments. And so I started to heavily deconstruct then. Um, so I started following a lot more, um, uh, BIPOC individuals on Instagram, which is just such a small little thing that, you know, people can obviously do just to learn more. I started following more queer folks. I'm like, okay, I'll, everyone I'm following are like the Stephen Furtick's of the world. And <laughs> now I fucking hate Stephen Furtick so much. Um, I mean, I had a whole episode called what the Furtick. Um, and you know, we, so I, I started following like Kevin Garcia. That's when I started finding dirty rotten church kids and on, and, uh, and even Joe Lumen. And at that time, a lot of these people were so polarizing for me at the time, because I was, when I was first starting to deconstruct. So I used to talk against the dirty rotten church kids and Joe Hello. Lumen specifically, like they're making people, uh, go astray and blah, 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 blah. Hell and then eventually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, yes, they are. But I, I was like worried for my friends, like, Oh, you're going to go to hell. I'm going to go to hell because, oh my gosh, he's talking against white people or, or whatever, you know? Um, and so I eventually got to the point where I was like, okay, well, I'm feeling this way. Why? Like, why am I actually feeling this way? So I started to question, openly question how I felt when certain things were coming into, um, like into my view. Um, like, so if I was feeling defensive, I asked myself why, um, when sermons were being said, I started to ask, where does this come from? So one of my favorite, one of the things that really, start really started to polarize me, I guess, and lead me away from the church was a pastor decided he was going to do an entire series on the book of revelation, which some of our Yikes. Were having, yeah, um, some of our youth were having immense uh, rapture anxiety at that time. Anyways, um, and he was saying a uh, he was he was talking about Satan, and I sat there on my phone as I'm like managing the live stream, and I was like, "Where is Satan in the Bible? <laughs> Where is hell in the Bible?" And so I started to like start Googling all this stuff, like in, in the moments like, okay, Lucifer actually isn't mentioned in our canonized scripture. Um, hell isn't really talked about in this. And I, and at that moment, I think I had started reading, I had already finished love wins by Rob Bell. I was starting to read a lot more Richard Rohr. And so I started to really understand, wait, this is all just fear tactics. Like none of this is actually biblical. And, um, it just continued to remind me of a, um, uh, of a lecture that I heard from, um, Dr. Ken Xiao, who is like our, our world's leading, um, like one of the old Testament scholars, uh, that's kind of like leading stuff. He's like an expert in Job. And he was talking about Job and talking about the word Satan and what Satan actually is in the book of Job and how that kind of plays to the rest of the Bible, where he's not this devil with horns and a pitchfork sitting in a firing furnace, but is much rather like the prosecuting attorney whose job is 
literally just to um, go against God, so to speak, to be able to test humanity and just bring people to the betterment of themselves. Um, so shout out to all my Satanists out there. <laughs> that's the compassionate Satan. Um, and 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 so like I, I started to really severe like seriously question and started to um, doubt more. And as a youth pastor, like that wasn't good. And I had a therapist who actually is kind of abusive and kind of a dick. Um, oh my so I god! Go I don't go to him anymore. Um, I should say abusive. He uses a different. He uses a therapy technique that does not work for me. Um, and Wait, I'm curious. What is it? Do you know? Um, it's, it's a called? derivative of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. I don't remember the exact yeah. one off the top of my head. I think it's like a RBST, I mm. think, um, where he was the expert and he would interrupt and he wouldn't actually like help me heal trauma. He would just tell me that I was insane, um, essentially. Ew. But yeah, yeah, there were some times that was like really hard. I was like, this is not helping me. This is actually like, I almost got an eating disorder because of you, bro. Or I almost like, I got so severely rude. depressed because of you every time after therapy. I would have to do self-care. That's not a good thing. No. Um, yeah. So, but the one thing that he did say that was helpful was he said, you are burnt out. And if you continue on with your job, you're going to start harming kids if you have not already. Mm. Um, and he was meeting more on a spiritual basis, obviously. I mean, or maybe not, obviously. Abuse happens in the church all the time, but I would not have like, you know, physically harmed or or on purposely harmed on purpose harmed any of my kids um but he said you know where you're at in your faith like you do not like your church you do not like the staff you're working at you don't you're still processing all of your other stuff and i started also decolonizing myself like my mind started getting more in touch with my indigenous and um and and mexican heritage and so i couldn't be in a church that was predominantly white because it's not going to help lead me to growth it's not going to give me the community that i need so um he said you need to figure out a way and you need to get out of this so as soon as i got a full-time job i left and my last sunday ironically was a day that i was going to be preaching um and it was the second time in that in the history of the year and a half that i was at the church that they let me preach from the from the from the pulpit um and it was a sermon that we had chosen months prior and so it was ironically on the dark night of the soul so i left with a bang um <laughs> by making people depressed <laughs> Um, and they had like a quote unquote funeral for me. It's what it felt like with me when I left the church. But um, since then, um, I, I felt free after that to kind of, you know, figure out what I wanted to be. When I, when I put in my, my two weeks notice, ironically, the pastor, the lead pastor was like, we really value you, Daniel. We want to keep you here. So um, if you can't make it to Sundays and Tuesdays, cause I didn't tell him I was leaving because they fucking suck. Um, but he's like, well, how about you? Like, you know, how about you run a podcast for the church? <laughs> and I was like, podcast. I was like, well, I would need a co-host. Like, well, you can choose anyone. Like it could be one of us or it can be someone else. So I was like, you know, let me ask my friend Jake, who was volunteering at the church at the time. And so I asked, I was like, Hey dude, you know, like so-and-so pastor so-and-so wants, you know, us to start, wants me to start a podcast for the church. Like, what would you think about being my co-host? I was like, I'm down. And then I was like, wait a second, bro, fuck this church. <laughs> Let's just start our own podcast. And so, you know, that's how uh, the Angsty Christian podcast started, which um, that 
has been a very healing place for me because I mean, I'm sure maybe you can relate to this, but, um, when you are able to just kind of speak into the void, um, some of the abuse that you've gone through or some of like the different things that you're thinking and processing, it's really healing, right? Like that's the whole point of us talking about our stories. Um, stories have healing properties because it helps us to process things in a new light, see how far we've gone and how we can grow. And, for me, podcasting helped me be, just be able to do that. Like, I don't care how many um, followers we have or how many people listen to our podcast. Honestly, I do it selfishly for myself. Um, and every now and then we get these really amazing messages of people who found comfort in what we're saying because they're questioning the same stuff or like, holy shit, like that brought up so much. And people are essentially trauma dumping in our DMs of, oh my God, all these things of this is what I went through in my church. And it just reminded me of that. And then we've been able to talk to so many different people. And so since then, like, you know, made so many friends and each and every single one of them have helped me to understand more of myself. Um, most, like I would say Kevin Garcia has been very quintessential in that with me, like being able to find my own voice as like, now I, I don't identify as Christian, but I identify more as mystic. Um, understanding that my foundation is Christianity. So that's going to influence heavily what I think. But if I were to sit down with a pastor at a church and they were to ask me all the different things that I believe, it may not fully align with the Nicene Creed. Mm. Um, it may not fully align with what they think a Christian's supposed to be. And I don't really care. I kind of let other people um, label me if that's what helps them. So for me, it's, I think that this world is so much more beautiful and so much more diverse. And there's so much more wonder out there than, uh, what we, what Christianity allows us to have. So like if people are gay, let them be gay, like, fuck, I'm bisexual. And, and like, I've found so much healing and just understanding that over the last like year and a half, half. Um, I like understanding like my indigenous and my Mexican ancestry and how that relates to my white ancestry and also how my white ancestry hurt that other side of it, but also how the, my brown side also hurt each other, right? Like I'm Aztec. Aztecs were the original colonizers, as my friend Camille <laughs> said once. Um, well, not the original, but you know, of at least the Americas. Um, and like, there's a lot to be learned, but like this world is so much beautiful in the ways that we are connected versus the ways that we are disconnected means so much more. And so like when it comes to all these world issues that we're dealing with nowadays in our country, like it's a lot of the things are no brainers. Like, why are we trying to control this? Like land isn't supposed to be controlled. People aren't supposed to be controlled. Why, uh, why are people dying? Like that shouldn't be the way it is. So, you know, over the last few years, I've definitely, um, become more, um, I forgot the word, but you know, I've come so far to the left where, you know, oftentimes I find that very progressive people still get pissed off at me um, because I'm a little bit more progressive than they are. Um, but, and obviously conservatives hate me. Um, I've had way too many conversations <laughs> over, especially the last year. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's been my journey. I love it. 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 Um, I also like that you ended up in mysticism because it just feels so like rebellious <laughs> and I love, I love the rebellion. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had a question and I forgot it. No, no. my journal is hard. Oh no. Um, <laughs> okay. okay. Um, let's talk about mysticism. So what do you, what is your like, 
not favorite part of mysticism that sounds kind of weird but like what is your what is the practice within mysticism that you most identify with the one that makes you the most passionate about the world and the universe around you yeah i mean i so i i feel like just a lot of um i've been reading the uh braiding the sweetgrass this last year um by uh dr robin wall kimmerer and that i mean if you haven't heard it anyone listening to this hasn't read it um it's a beautiful book that just dives into very like a bunch of different stories of um indigenous wisdom um so like there's a creation story there are flood story there's a lot of stories that actually um parallel uh, Christianity and Judaism, but they go in the complete opposite direction in a very beautiful way. So like the story of first man and first woman and how they weren't kicked out of a beautiful place, but rather they were put into a beautiful place mm. um, and how like that inherently changes how indigenous people view this world instead of we need to go elsewhere. It's we are where we're, we're supposed to be. So we need to care for this place. Mm. Um so a lot of my practices is centered in nature um, and centered in um, exploration in a reciprocal relationship with the land as much as I possibly can. And I'm still learning what that looks like, especially living in uh, Orange County. Um, and, you know, there's a typical tarot, typical meditation. Um, I've been doing a little bit of candle magic and trying that, see what that's like, because I don't I don't know. Um, but as, since I guess starting to explore mysticism for myself and really just exploring the connection between people. Like I've met some amazing people, some who are practicing witches and have supposedly done shit that I'm like, is that really real? <laughs> um, but mysticism, I feel like has just given me more wonder. So when I look at something or am introduced with something different, instead of automatically being, well, that doesn't line up with my worldview. So I can't, I, it's, it's not real or it's stupid or whatever. Instead, it's, that doesn't line up with my worldview, but that's intriguing. Is this real? Maybe. Is it true? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Is it for me to determine? Not necessarily. Yeah. And so I can instead just sit there and learn from it, um, learn from my emotions learn from different people's experiences and try to see something more in this world that I may not have seen prior when I was a Christian. Yeah. And I feel like so often people that are stuck in evangelicalism forget that the world is full of so much nuance. Um, yeah. And like their minds are so closed that they can't, they don't have wonder, right? Like yeah. so many people are just so stuck in their ways. Whereas, I mean, even like my parents are a little different than white evangelicalism because in Mexico, even if you're a Christian, you still believe in magic. Um, and maybe like in a different kind of way, but they're like, you better be careful because there's witch like they would literally say like a witch came here on Sunday trying to break down the church. Um, so we have to like pray over everything and da da da. And it, I think it comes with being charismatic. But in America, people just don't yeah. at all believe in that kind of stuff, which is interesting because mm -hmm. it's so every culture has magic every culture has yeah. some level of witchiness and it's like mm -hmm. you have chinese medicine you have hoodoo you have voodoo and so like if this is a universal concept what makes you think that you're exempt from it you know yeah yeah it's been in every indigenous culture mm -hmm. throughout the world there has been some sort of mysticism Mm -hmm. magic whatever you want to call it and a lot of it still exists and a lot of it we still celebrate today mm -hmm. we just have slapped a christian label on it 
Yeah, I mean, like the miracles of Jesus sounds pretty witchy to me. Honestly, I mean, but even if you look at the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. he Jesus is doing the classic age-old magic invocation of as above, so below, so within, so without, as the universe, so the mm-hmm. soul. When he says on earth as it is in heaven, he's literally saying as above, so below. He's just making a nod to, I mean, is he making a nod to it? I don't know. I like to think he was because why else would he say that? That's kind of like a very witchy thing. Yeah. So what, how do you relate to people now that you're so far on your journey? Yeah. You mean like with Christians or just people in general? Um, both. Well, so people in general, um, it, it makes it a lot easier <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean, I may have a cross tattooed on my arm and now I'm re-envisioning a whole new meaning to that than what I did before. Um, but like, I don't have the need to proselytize. Mm. I don't have the need to mention that I'm a Christian. Um, if someone asks me, like that has sparked more conversations. So like, I'm getting my master's degree at a private Christian university. Didn't want to, but it's where, you know, if you want to say the Lord, it's where the Lord brought me. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> here I am. Amen. And, and there's so many people at this college that are obviously Christian in my program. And then there's a lot that aren't. And so it's been fun talking to, to both groups because the ones who are really Christian, um, tend to tell me, Oh, but not all churches. And I'm like, Oh, you're going to be a great therapist one day. Yeah. Uh, but the ones who aren't or, um, are, you know, in a similar place, as I am, um, we're able to have, like, we're able to connect on a deeper level. Like, Oh, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have some trauma with the church here as well, or you also think, you know, whatever. And, and I'm able to just, I feel like have been able to make more friends. Um, I'm able to go out and have fun, which mm-hmm. is a very simple thing. Um, I mean, one of my best friends is ha- is like the complete opposite of a Christian and like it has and there's been difficulties with that friendship but now like we're able to agree on so much and also there's still some differences right um, so I feel like I can I can just relate to people of all kinds so if I talk to someone who's Buddhist I'm like oh my god I love Buddhism and I can talk to them about it. if I meet someone who's a Satanist I'm like oh my god there's so much good in like the satanic temple like let's talk about that or someone who's Hindu like I can just be able to talk to people in such a different way than before because it's like oh if you're Buddhist well you're you know you're you're worshiping a false god (laughs) I can't I can't be in a relationship with you so I feel like when it comes to non-church folk it's opened up relationship. And then for church folk, um, obviously for a lot, it's done the opposite of that because the very things that we talked about already, right? Like if you are, um, not a Christian or you have ideas that are different, you tend to get more ostracized. I don't personally give a shit if a Christian tells me I'm going to hell. I'm like, great. I will see you there if it exists. See you there. Um, but I also have a lot of the times when someone tells me, Oh, you're just wrong about this. I'm like, I look at them like, I genuinely know more than you. For real. I am sorry, but like I have done the research. I have done the work. If you would like to, I can send you resources and you can learn from them because you're not going to listen to me. So you can listen to someone with a little fancy degree because that's what your white supremacy says. Mm. Um, but it has pushed, it has made me lose friends. It has made me, um, 
experience all the typical gaslighting, spiritual bypassing, you name it. Um, and, and, and so like after I left my last church, I did end up going to another church in Long Beach, which was kind of like a nice place space after that to kind of heal. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I was too progressive for them. Mm. So I didn't feel like I, when I'm around Christians, I don't feel like I could be my authentic self. Mm -hmm. Um, or rather when I, when I'm around specific types of Christians and, and we all know the types because we can feel it. We don't necessarily have to have them say it to know that they're the kind of, the kind of Christian that's going to uh, be abusive. They um, always wear Chelsea boots and wide brim hats. Okay. Oh yeah. Nashville <laughs> sexy. They, they got the Nashville <laughs> sexy look. Um, <laughs> and, and all, there are some of those in the deconstruction community as well that I, uh, stay far away from. As yeah. Well. we'll talk about that off, off mic. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but so after I went went to that church, I ended up um, actually finding a, another small church um, that's like being planted here. And this church has actually been like the first one that I can go to and be like, yeah, I'm not Christian. And it's like, great, please tell me what your spirituality is like, not because I want to judge you, but because I'm genuinely curious and I want to know more. I want to learn from you. And so there's been, there are, there are opportunities for me to help educate if that's something that I one have the energy for, and two, there's actually the need for, um, but also a place where I can be able to experience spiritual community again, um, with Christians, non-Christians, deconstructing mm -hmm. Christians, whatever you name it. Um, so, you know, I hope that answers the questions, but um, no, it's totally obvious. <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes yeah. people need to be reminded. Oh, I totally. My headphone. I am like a hot mess, guys. Ryan is sick, and I feel oh, like no. he's getting me sick, and I feel like it's COVID because my brain is all, but it's fine. Ryan, is that ableism? <sighs> Ryan is <sighs> the most allied but also the most ableist like at the same time <laughs> which i feel like is just as the spouse of a person who is ableist <laughs> and granted this is a funny story now that we're talking about ableism um i have a friend who is disabled and i won't name them because the story is not very nice but they'll come over and we just like speak to each other in the worst way possible i'm just like shut up you cripple and they're like shut up you you're a cripple and it's like i really hope nobody's listening to this i hope nobody's ever hearing me i'm gonna get canceled it's one of those things where it's like you can't joke about it but we can yeah joke about i can it. say whatever i want yeah i can call myself a wet bag but don't call me no beaner what the yeah, hell yeah get the fuck out of here i know that is so funny i love i'm gonna be honest i love watching people go through deconstruction um even though it sucks, I know it sucks, but especially the two of us coming from APU and mm -hmm. now hearing that you hated me and my progressivism, because <laughs> I feel like that was in most of APU and it makes me both, like my ego is just like throbbing because it's so huge right now. Oh yeah, you're like, hell yeah, keep telling yeah. me. <laughs> but also at the same time, I'm like, oh, everybody hated me. Oh, that only lasts one second, I'm just kidding. I didn't but, hate you, but you know. Yeah, I know what you yeah. mean. It's that yeah. like, ugh, Josie, Nothing. ugh, Josie, yeah. here she goes again. I mean, yeah, I said yeah. that to myself in my own head. But it's so funny because I just feel like for me watching people i'm just like oh my gosh you're gonna your life is gonna be so much better on the other side i promise yeah. life is so yeah. much better on this side especially i mean now with the political landscape you see all these christians and all these like conservative people who, whose view of the world is just so tragic like that's yeah 
and going back to mysticism i feel like once you see the world and nature and creation and everything for what it is and just like a beautiful new world opens up for you you can't go back no and i feel sorry for those people yeah like my dad does does not enjoy nature the same way i do like he loves nature but he gets caught up on you know the but the lord made this and that's it they're just are things that the lord made versus maybe they have like maybe they're a part of my soul just as much as i am a part of theirs yeah and and it's like yeah god made this if that's what helps your your view but isn't that more reason to be in Mm. wonder of this because Mm -hmm. someone something created this and this shows us a little bit about that individual Mm-hmm. that we can begin to be more in wonder of. Yeah. And I and and I do also want to leave space for people who are still like on the side that we may be and and yet like there was a long time where I was like I just I wish I could go back. Yeah. It's so I, easy. It's so much easier. Like I'm like I I I would have so many friends and so many people to hang out with right now if I didn't leave that mega church and if I were to just People suck would it help up. you move. Ugh. Yeah, people would help me move. People, <laughs> like people would feed me if I was hungry. Yeah. <laughs> the church never would. Uh but they would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, like I could be able to sing again. I could, you know, there the list goes on uh, of benefits of being in that space mm-hmm. and and so there's so many times where i wanted to but then i would like remember what it was like or i would be like oh maybe i can listen to hillsong again put on a song I'm like oh my god i hate this this is so toxic Dude, i still especially on road trips like and i'm trying to wake up I put mm-hmm. on the worship music oh, and I sing idea. like I used to sing back in church, all evangelical, yeah. all Pentecostal, oh, yeah. top of my lungs while Ryan's trying yeah. to sleep right next to you. I don't even care. I love it. Yeah. yeah and there and there are still songs that I, yeah. I will go back and listen to because they still help me. And I have to kind of like work, like do the mental mm-hmm. gymnastics to be able to yeah. get myself to be like, it's okay. Yeah. I understand elevation worship is very toxic and secret yeah. as a cult leader. However, do it again is still going to remind me that <laughs> it's all going to be okay. And I'm crying yeah. on the 405, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and I, but so what I will say to people who may be in that space of, man, I just want to go back, like, try it, see what happens. But, Truly, try it. Who <laughs> yeah, cares? Like, yeah, try and see, see what happens, full send. But is it someplace that you really want to go or what is it that you're missing? And so for me, it was that spiritual mm-hmm. community. It was authenticity within that kind of, or, or, or a specific authenticity that I had because I created the space for it, uh, for people in a spiritual community to have like those rich theological, philosophical conversations, the assistance or, or like the, um, hey, I'm going through a hard time. I could use help. I could use vibes, prayers, whatever you want to call it, right? And so, I mean, granted for me, that space kind of fell into my lap, Mm -hmm. Um, but for a lot of other people, it could just look like create, I don't want to say create the space because you shouldn't have to do more work now. Yeah. Um, But sometimes it is, we just have to find friends, find people that we can go alongside in life if you don't have that. Like I, there's a lot of people that I know from the different discord groups I'm a part of who I'm like, you, I can tell like, you don't have anyone near you. Mm-hmm. And I can't be your only source of community because yep. <laughs> it's unhealthy. Um, but 
Um, I so I, I know that it's hard in certain places, but I, I, that's why I love groups like the Crowded Table or mm-hmm. um, you know the Bad Apple Server or you know like there's so many different servers out there that exist of deconstruction people for whatever group you're looking for because I feel like a lot of people can find that community, mm-hmm. but it's still not the same as in person. Um, yeah, I highly recommend one joining those types of things and then reaching out to people to like because they're so especially the Bad Apples are so big right somebody's bound to be near you mm-hmm. and i mean go to gaychurch.org churchclarity.org find uh, a church that is affirming and nice and i mean church clarity will even tell you if they like women in leadership and stuff like that yeah. highly recommend but yeah it's, un- it's unfortunate that healing is our responsibility even though it's not our fault yeah and it's honestly i, I really wish that we could um do ha- make the church pay refer- reparations <laughs> for oh all my god <laughs> I would oh, be so, rich. I, I remember one of my friends, uh, he um, worked at an event recently um, with his job, but it was also being ran by the church that, you know, like was abused, like had abused him. And he got a check in the mail and he's like, oh, I got reparations. And I, and like, I, it was the funniest thing. That's right. It was the funniest thing ever. But, you know, it, in all seriousness, like the church should pay for reparations. They need to pay mm-hmm. for I wonder if we could just, you know, bill an invoice. Hey, yeah, Christian church, for emotional me, trauma, emotional trauma, spiritual trauma, sexual, mm-hmm. you know, the list goes on. Yep. On and on and on. Uh, well, this has been great. Thanks so much for coming on the pod. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You should come back and we could talk about therapy. Yes, please do. I Let love therapization. I'm really yeah. passionate as a decades long therapy person <laughs> yes and i am as a mft student so <laughs> yes absolutely recipient. yeah well plug away at all the things that you got going on um well go follow and check out the angsty christian podcast it's on every platform should be um who knows we might have another episode before the end of the year depends on how much yeah during the holidays oh. yeah during the holidays all three of us work and go to school two of us in retail like that's uh it's it's hard so we we have been wanting to do an episode but we haven't yeah. in a while but um if you want a good one to start out with we've done podcasts with uh Missouri Rotten Church Kids, although I was in a much worse spot, so don't listen to that one, but listen to <laughs> the one, and also, yeah, I won't go into that, um, yeah. but also check out <laughs> Joe Lum- the, our episode like Joe Lumen or um, David Hayward. Those are both really great episodes, um, and they're both great humans that I enjoy, so um, check that out. Follow us on Instagram. It's Inksy Christian Pod, so don't put the cast at the end, just the pod. Yeah. I think that's all we got going on there for myself. You can check out my photography, I guess. Dan Great. See Ramos if you want. I don't. I don't care. Up to you. Yeah. Hire. Hire them. It's great. Yes. We please. need money. We need yeah, money. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> help, help Josie and I pay our student loans. Because <laughs> Biden won't. God. <laughs> Fuck you, Biden. All right. I'll vote for you again if you run. But God damn it. Come on. Wait. I mean, what's the other option? I know. Honestly. God damn it. <laughs> Dr. Oz again? Hell nah. Oh my gosh. Don't even get me started about politics, okay? I'm a masochist. I am ugh. Anyways. <laughs> friends, as always, you can find us on Speaking at Church Us. You can find me at Speaking at Church on Instagram. You can find me personally at Josie Takes the World. And uh, we have merch now, so go check that out. Um speaking about not proselytizing, we have a 
like a mat, like a front door mat that says no proselytizing. Because I thought that was funny. <laughs> I need to buy that. Oh my God, that is amazing. I will say I did see the merch on your Instagram and it is amazing. One of those actually was is our saying, which is, sorry, mom. That's our, like, our saying that we yep. say at the end of every episode. It's like, God damn it. We, oh, it's okay. It's okay. I was inspired by NAPU. There was a show called Sorry, Dad and i still wear the t-shirt from this show because i love it because it's just like that's, that's so me good. it's like sorry dad i'm a heathen <laughs> about that yeah, yeah. it's just it's so <laughs> relatable for all of us um oh, yeah. i'll make you your own design don't worry about it wink wink oh thanks thanks you're like all right friends as always listen subscribe review um if you want if you're conservative and you want to come on i haven't said this uh come on i'm nice i know how to talk to conservative people but i'll probably convince you so maybe you don't want to come on wink wink <laughs> okay friends Stay woke or get woke. Bye. Bye. This has been an irreverent media podcast.